All right, welcome everyone to the fourth episode of the Friends Against Government podcast. I'm Car Campin. Co-host, as always, is Bird Arkist, and today we've got a very special episode. We're going to get Drew Phillips from Bitcoin Not Bombs. Uh, he's an anti-war writer over at antiwar.com, activist, uh, entrepreneur, and a whole bunch more. And you'll be finding about that later. Uh, I'll toss it over to you, Bird. How's everything going? It's great, man. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. We're going to do that in the second half. But uh, there's a couple of couple of funny things I want to talk about. Uh, before we do any of that, I really do just want to say thank you to all the support that we got for the first three episodes for our drop. Man, you guys all came out, and there's there's just so many downloads and hits on our our, our show, and I, I can't thank everybody enough. Thank you specifically to Anarchy Ball. Uh, he pulled Absolutely. serious weight on that one. Hell yeah. Dude, it really feels like we're building like kind of a, a little community, man. Fag and, army. And we're not – like we're just one little – cog in the wheel man and it's 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 a hell of a lot of fun we got that uh discord set up anarchy ball is still rocking and rolling like it's it feels like something something even if it's small cosmically speaking is kind of coming together man it's really yeah, cool it's awesome oh the discord now that you mentioned that we are guys we're making a community because i don't trust twitter anymore so if anybody wants to get in on this discord please just send me a dm at at birdarchist i will gladly let you in there uh it's it gets a little weird in there but it is as the fags do <laughs> No, but it's it's super it's it's cool. Like I I think uh, I w- I actually woke up, so I'm very resistant to learning new technology. Uh, and <laughs> oh <woke> yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up. I, w- I woke up uh, t- a, like on a Sunday morning or something like that, and I wake up, check my phone, and all I see is a little like I have those those um, uh, summaries of all my notifications, and all I see is one summary from Bird, and it says. <laughs> I've got some terrible news. And immediately I'm thinking like, God damn, is he already bailing on this podcast? Or like, is it, can we no longer do this? Is the scheduling not going to work out? And then I open it and the next line is you have to get a discord and I'll, I'll help you out or something like that. I was like, like, well, it's, it's not awful. It's not awful. In my defense, I knew it was going to be terrible news to you because some of the effort that we've had to do to put this podcast together, I've never heard as much rage come out of I another know. person because yeah. they didn't understand the technology. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Unbelievable. I'm incompetent. I'm incompetent. If I ever get, if I ever make it and like get a personal assistant, they will have to do nothing uh, in terms of laundry or like or or cooking or anything like that. They will just have to like open your email, <laughs> install apps on my phone. Like that's like Jesus. the only thing that I need. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, did you uh? Have you seen our dear president is is gonna have a meeting with uh, Kim Jong Un? I think later seen, this month, maybe. I, I, I've seen some of it, but I would enjoy it if you were to go further into detail. I um look, I don't know very much about what's going on with that situation, but I I do know um that the I think the South Korean president uh, Moon set that thing up possibly. Um, and Sarah Sanders confirmed it, that it was going to happen, and it was either happening at the end of this month or it was happening uh, in the middle of May. And I don't know why when I hear that, I just, I find that so funny. I just find the thought, I, um, I find the thought of this, of this 79-year-old wood-carving, spray-painted orange deity <laughs> coming down, descending to the starving plains of North Korea to meet their 13-year-old big chubby 
almost Buddha-like dictator. I, there's something <laughs> absolutely weird about yeah, that to me. Stepping out of the situation that is like just the horrific nature of everything about it, uh, j- just stepping away from that for a moment and uh, to to <laughs> kind of take in the fact that that is happening. Just appreciate like, uh, the timeline. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's, and I I think I think Rachel Maddow. I don't know if you saw that. Maybe Rachel Maddow was fucking going off on Donald Trump about doing it. Like she she was like, I can't, Have you ever considered that no other president has done this? And I I, I wish I at some point I just want to tweet to her and be like. Yeah, no, he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, he, he absolutely hasn't no, considered uh, <laughs> anything. No. I think it's a good thing, man. I'm I'm happy, you know, the closer we get to fucking ending this bullshit that's going on in North Korea, really the better. There's just something so strange about those two people meeting. This this fucking reality TV show host who became the president is no, meeting it's, it's truly He's it's, meeting it's with tr- the son of good. Dennis Rodman's best friend. Right. <laughs> God, there's just, it's that? almost like it's like a Seinfeld episode. There's too many storylines to like that are, <laughs> that are interwoven, you know that that, and then you know it all comes together in the end. I don't know, man, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Any, you know, I don't care. I, I'll I'll swallow my pride, and I and if 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 peace or or some step in the right direction comes through some political process, fine, man, because man, there are people fucking dying over there, and it's it's a it's a goddamn grotesque scene i don't that being said i don't think a whole lot of good is going to come from it and probably it's going to be a step in a a wrong direction but uh for whatever it's worth if if anything does come from it that's good you know i'll I'll be in support but yeah i mean me too hopefully hopefully something good comes of that it's just such an when you really consider all the factors of the past of these two individuals it it, it's bizarre world dude it It is. is so strange it is oh man that I had to get that one off my chest, and then there's another, <laughs> there's another thing I want to get off my chest. Okay. Um, I, I, all I have to do is Google uh, Rhode Island pornography payment. <laughs> oh man, this yeah, is... yeah, yeah. I did see some. I did see something briefly about that. Like they're gonna charge a one-time fee for uh, users of pornography. Is that is that like basically the yeah, gist of my this? dude. This is and this is basically why I became a libertarian. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Rhode Island. This is the headline from Select. Oh, actually, it's from it's from um it's from New York Mag. Um, you go on there. The title of the article, uh, written by uh, Jake Swearingen. Uh, the title of the article is Rhode Island wants you to apply. Pay twenty dollars to look at porn. Oh my god. Yo. Okay. Here. I got an idea. I got an idea to combat this. Right. We need to start a a Kickstarter. We need to create a Kickstarter in order to move Lida and his family to Rhode Island. And and just his mere presence <laughs> there, I think, will be enough to combat this. I, I think just th- there will be some aura oh, emanating and, and and this thing will just be dead in the water. I mean, is does that does that if you if you guys listening don't know who Jeremy Lida is, um well you really shouldn't because uh, his his account got deleted. <laughs> Um, but he has another account out there somewhere. Yeah, floating around. Uh, not necessarily sure if I want to dox it, but uh, our friend Jeremy Lida is perhaps one of the most disgusting human beings. <laughs> in the best way. In the in the, in, best the be- way. in the absolute best way. Yeah, dude, air dropping him into Dude, yeah, Rhode Island. Right. Lida is like it, I, it's such a funny take because it, it doesn't feel like he's necessarily a purist, but he's certainly insane like everybody else. And, and like I think he is pretty pure, but it's like if you were to make a soup and that and you were to oh, start yeah, with like 100%. a libertarian stock and start simmering that down and you go to just add like a dash of salt at the end, but the cap. Yeah, and you get that gelatin. You get that simmer yeah, just down. Yeah, like the cap falls off of the salt, gelatin. and the whole cylinder of Morton's 
falls in and, and that salt is nihilism. You know, that's that's, 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 yeah. that's him. Oh my god. Yeah, man. So twenty dollars. That's the fee, man. Twenty dollars for a one time fee. Eighteen years old. You submit your twenty dollar payment to the Rhode Island state government, uh, and they let you use porn. And and guess what? If you don't pay that twenty dollars there is a five hundred dollar fee for each piece of content reported by your how are ISP. they gonna judge the... that's what i'm saying yeah. i already know where you're going with this one how do they judge content is it is it per boob right is, right, right. <laughs> is each there's like an escalation in in mastectomy is it or every whatever frame yeah. it's kind of a little strange man so what if i'm watching a video is it five hundred dollars if i watch a video what if i watch look at a picture what's the frame Clearly, the it video? has to be less yeah yeah, right, know, exactly. What if a 60 FPS video, that's that's a $750. I know how you love that high frame rate, too. It's, it's, so it's going to be a tough move. I didn't, Rhode Island's oh, out it's for unbelievable. You. You you're not going to Rhode Island. It's unbelievable. It's, now, it didn't pass, just letting you know. This didn't pass. Do, now, I, I'm curious. Do you have the stats up? Like, how close was it to passing? I mean, was, is this thing even getting close? I can't imagine. Um, it was referred to the Senate Judiciary Committee. So I don't even think it got that far. Okay. I don't even yeah. think it got as far. Because didn't they try to, to do something like that? Didn't they try to do something like that in the UK, and that got like basically shot down even there? I don't even. I don't know anything about that one, but it wouldn't surprise I feel like me that in the was slightest. Maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't, unbelievable. I don't, remember, but... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like that, you gotta hate government when you hear that one, right? You have to. You have Dude. to become a fag. <laughs> yeah. There has to be some fagginess in you. The minute fags that you for, hear. Fags for porn, baby. And you know for a fact. That the senators who would be voting for that are not sure. paying that fucking twenty dollar fee. No, they're not paying no. that. I mean, and that's the essence of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. yeah it's the it'll, you'll the start seeing senators but... who actually make the porn. That's what you'll start seeing. <laughs> they get the money. That's what you'll start seeing. You'll see porn star senators. That's that, yeah. <laughs> that's what. And it wouldn't surprise me in this political climate. No, no, um, I, it really wouldn't. I, I don't know. I don't know how much more insane you can get, but I have oh a feeling we're about to find out. You got a. What else we got on the docket? Anything else crazy happened in the last in the last week? Just an unbelievable thing. Those those two, those two stories altogether were really making my week. I was I was sitting here thinking about how I wanted to talk about it. Just you know, as a pregame for the episode that we actually have coming sure. up. Um, just the just the corruption of government in in the most absurd ways possible. It's 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 a it's very good example insane. of how the reach will never end. Like it, it, you you will never get to a point if you opt to use what we know as government as a as a planning system then the, the reach won't end. It, it it must continue to march. I mean it's 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 like I mean it is a gigantic ponzi scheme, right? I mean like in some sense like it has to just continue to grow, continue to grow. That's the nature of the beast and yeah. it's man it's brutal. Uh, especially when they come after your porn, that's no good. No, no, and that's and that's really where they messed up because <laughs> yeah, there's two things. <laughs> that was the there's two things that, that make people uh, revolt against their governments, and it's taking their food and it's taking their porn. Yeah, and go- yeah, I mean, so so far this year we've got we've got government encroaching on guns and porn. Like good guns good porn. luck in this country with with that. Platform. We're back in the fucking seventies. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. So all right, man. Let's let's plug a few th- let's plug a few uh, things, and then we'll toss it over to that interview. Um, for one, we absolutely always need to plug Anarchy Ball. That guy's the man. He's got some. I think he's got some good stuff cooking in the oven right now. So yep, stay at tuned. Anarchy Ball on Twitter. Yep. Um, we were talking to him, and we were we were talking about a week ago. And uh, I don't want to blow the lid on anything, but there are potential. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much in his future. We should blow the lid on anything. 
No, we don't have to. Okay. But everyone, keep an eye out for that because there are potentially big things cooking in that kitchen yeah. very soon. Yeah, uh, I dig it. Other people? Uh, Marcella, who organized this uh, interview coming up. It's at one Marcella, March E-L-L-A. Uh, and then our buddies over at the Rollo and Slappy show, the, the number two uh, libertarian podcast, um, have launched. Wait, they're number two. So, so where's Tom Woods? Uh, I don't like know. He's seven you know, somewhere, somewhere in the rearview mirror, man. <laughs> Fags are blazing the trail. So the nerve. Rollo and Slappy just launched, or I think it, I think it's both of them, but it may just be Rollo. I'm not sure. Slappy might kill me for that one, but uh, it's they launched Liberty Mugs over there, and they're having a blast with it. Like it's it's really fun. Just make sure when you're on Liberty Mugs, ordering your Liberty Mug. Uh, to read everything because they've got some really good like Easter eggs hidden around hidden around the website and then also I think we have a promo code um, capital fag F A G all caps <laughs> so, yeah capital fag yeah so I think that gets you like ten percent off or something like that don't quote me on the yeah, exact percentage cool, but uh, he's actually I think he's gonna be putting um, our picture on one of those mugs I mean go look at every single one of those mugs yeah. really they're yeah. amazing but he's he's putting one of our pictures on there. I think just the podcast logo on there, and I, I gotta order. Well, they made it. They made order they, a couple. They made a glue mug. It just says glue. So I've already ordered it. It's already. Did they really? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I'll take awesome. a picture of it with me sipping some some coffee, or maybe huffing some glue out of it, and we'll we'll see. Yeah, it and 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 <laughs> while you're mentioning uh, Rolo and Slappy Show, I do want to give them a plug. Uh, as especially, I mean, if there's anyone who listens to this and doesn't listen to Rolo and Slappy Show, you're fucking up to begin with. Yeah. But um, they, I believe. Tonight, when we're recording this, Monday night, uh, they are interviewing uh, Thaddeus Russell. Thaddeus yes. Russell actually contacted Rolo and Slappy because they did a response to an interview uh, that Thaddeus did with Dave Smith. Yeah. I know for a fact that that podcast is, is going to be a fucking rocker. I know it's really going to be an amazing one. I've been talking to Rolo and Slappy for the past few days, just exchanging some thoughts about you know stuff that they could probably talk to him about. I think it's going to be amazing, and and you know what, that podcast might come up before this one does because we upload Wednesdays. But regardless, if you haven't listened to it, you need to go to, over to uh to the Rollo and Slappy show and and, and check that out. It's all on McFlugel.com. So uh, I guess with that, uh, we'll toss it over the inter to the interview, and uh, and thanks for listening. Yep, thanks a lot. Welcome back, everyone, to the fourth episode of the Friends Against Government podcast. I'm Car Campit, with me always, Bird, and today we've got a very special guest. So, uh, Bird, why don't you introduce our guest and uh, let me know how you're doing over there in New York. Uh, first of all, New York is trash. It's always been trash. It's always going to be trash. It's been a rain for the past three days, and, <laughs> and, and nothing's changed. Our guest, however, I'm very excited to announce, is Drew Phillips from BitcoinNotBombs.com. Uh, he is an author over there. He's an activist, an entrepreneur, a freelance videographer, and editor. Uh, Drew, what's going on? Hey, just hanging out in the uh, the heat in Arizona. Heat in Arizona. Uh, first of all, first of all, I want to ask: Are you a fag? <laughs> uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that I'm friends against. Uh, <laughs> you'll be associated with them after this podcast, anyway. So you might I as well embrace it. It's over. It's over. <laughs> I, I embrace it. I embrace it. So why don't, so you got uh, so you got Bitcoin not bombs. Uh, I, I think we can probably infer quite a bit of what we you know that website is all about. But why don't you give us a, a summary of what you've been up to over there and and where you're where you're heading with it? Oh man, uh, of, of late, absolutely nothing. Um, really, uh, really, we got started. My partner Davi Barker and I about five years ago. Um, the antiwar.com. There's some good friends of ours and. and near and dear to our heart and uh, five years ago I, I was able to twist a few arms over there and convince them to take Bitcoin and out of that discussion 
it was really just a meme, uh, and Davi registered a domain name, Bitcoin Not Bombs, and uh, in the beginning, we hmm. were really just sort of a support a support group for anti-war's announcement that they were accepting Bitcoin as a, as a, do- a donation method, and then from there, we went on and did a few of our own things, and just sort of played around with the name and, and had some writers uh, do some, some different uh, write on different topics in Bitcoin, obviously from sort of a free market libertarian perspective, uh, and how Bitcoin and, and really now cryptocurrencies in general uh, do take power away from the state, do take power away from uh, the Federal Reserve and sort of the awful things that they do uh, to affect monetary policy. Uh, so we're very excited about cryptocurrencies and the possibility of having true free market money, free, you know, free banking. And now, uh, you know, f- some five years later, we've really, um, I, I don't think we do much more than just sort of support antiwar.com in their, uh, in their efforts uh, and what they do on a day-to-day basis in journalism. Uh, and really just sort of, uh, you know, my role is more just a development coordinator, particularly in the, in the realm of cryptocurrencies. So that's really what we've been up to, uh, say, this last right. year. I uh, had a really great fundraising drive over Christmas. Uh, for cryptocurrencies and uh, added some new cryptocurrencies to uh, to to anti-war's uh, donation uh, process and uh, now we're uh, Ooh, what did you add uh, Bitcoin cash and uh, and dash nice. and uh, Zcash uh, so cool. you can donate uh, one of my favorites yeah, yeah so you can donate uh, any of those four you know you can uh, donate Bitcoin proper uh, you can donate Bitcoin Cash, Dash, and Zcash now to anti-war and, and probably adding some more uh, as they come come along um Ethereum's top on my list, mm-hmm. uh, possibly even Ethereum Classic. I heard you guys talking about that. Maybe you can persuade <laughs> me one way or the other. But uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, in no particular rush to add these thousands of cryptocurrencies, and it's hard to know. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's hard to know which ones are are really even worth it. I, I would have added Monero in a heartbeat, but it, it became oh, such yep. a, a technical hurdle. That that wasn't impossible. Oh, it was it was difficult to add Monero. Yeah, not impossible, just expensive. So what uh, is, when you when you add a cryptocurrency, what does that entail on your side? Like, I mean, obviously, if I were to add, if I were to be running my own show, and I I could very easily just produce public addresses for any cryptocurrency under the sun. But I assume that there would be a whole lot more uh, of a process involved if you're um, setting it up through a company or or and you have to remain somewhat above board. Um, what, what does that look like? Like, what does the process of adding a cryptocurrency look like from your end? Sure. So actually, um, adding from the anti-war, it operates under the, the Randolph-Bourne Institute's banner. It's a 501c3 organization. Uh, and actually, the, re- the requirements there is not too, not too difficult. That's really not the concern that comes up. Uh, really, I'm just more of a purist. And for example, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash the wallet addresses that you'll see on the donation page, uh, it is a, an HD wallet, a hierarchical deterministic wallet, meaning that every donor gets a fresh address, whereas in the past, uh, anti-war had one single uh, Bitcoin address and it never changed and people kept donating to it. And that uh, introduces privacy concerns. And privacy is one of the things that we look at cryptocurrencies one of the huge benefits that cryptocurrency has for an organization like antiwar.com and many organizations that that would be considered subversive in the eyes of the government should take privacy seriously and so integrating a wallet uh, is it's not just about publishing an address one single address that you can tweet out or post on a website but, but actually integrating the wallet into the web page itself so if you go to the 
uh, donate page. It's antiwar.com slash cryptocurrencies. Uh, and you make a donation, you'll notice that the address will change after the fact. And that's not perfect. Uh, if two people brought up the web page at the exact same time, they would get the exact same address. Uh, but I, I, I sort of had a, a purist attitude in that regard, and I wanted to make sure that we were, we were doing our best to offer privacy, not just for our, ourselves and the organization, because we, of course, know how much money we take in and have and what it's worth and do report that, and accountants do look at that and, and keep tabs on that. But in the eyes of the donor, we wanted to give them the maximum amount of privacy possible. And so integrating proper HD wallets was uh, important to me and something that I didn't want to just you know, throw out you know, some random address. Now, in the case of Zcash, uh, it, is a shielded, yes. it is a shielded address, and it doesn't change uh, because... According to the developers of Zcash, it doesn't need to. Um, so we'll, you know, that that one wasn't as, as difficult. But uh, the the other wallets up there are are actually HD wallets, and we do provide a fresh address for every donor. Cool. Um, God, that's half of that went so over my head, and then you said Zcash, and that, and it got me back into it. Please donate. Um, that so was, that was all I said. Please donate. Of course. No, of course. Um, so then, I mean, regarding that, and and Anti War's been doing that. For five years now, uh, what do you see uh, in the future for antiwar.com? At least from your perspective, what 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 are the what are the near what are the what's in the near future for antiwar.com? Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, you know, uh, let's say uh, ending war is a huge task. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that uh, you know that, that that that's on the horizon in five years. Um, certainly under this administration, I, I doubt it. But um, yeah, so what? Yeah, just to say that that that. It's not. It's not like. Um, it's not like you set a goal. Like, okay, we're going to end militarism around the world. Like, war is you know, conflict is sort of something that will always exist in the world, right? They always say that the slogan is or the saying is "world peace is two bums in an alley fighting over a sandwich," right? Like, there will never right. be a world without conflict. I get that, and I'm even willing to concede the idea that violence can solve problems, although not not as efficiently and not as. Uh, as, as neatly as, as, as other methods can, uh, but uh, it's important for there to be an anti-interventionism voice in the media. There is nothing like antiwar.com in the mainstream media. There are, there are far and few between news outlets and journalists that will cover things with a non-interventionist perspective or at least try to, to give that side of things. So, um, you know, antiwar has a 22, 23-year track record of this type of reporting, you know, dating back to the Clinton administration. This isn't even just a, a liberal thing that started under the Bush administration in the early 2000s. This goes back much, right. much longer. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the organization receives praise from all sides of the aisles, Republicans and Democrats. And, and it's, it's absolutely necessary that this journalism outlet exists because there, there are just very few that, that do. Um, of course, it's, it's sort of public, you know, widely known that the, the, the people behind antiwar.com are of a libertarian leaning, but the the perspectives on the on the website are from as far right as Pat Buchanan to as far left as, as say uh, Noam Chomsky. Um, so you know you have that diversity of opinion and, and, and welcome all sides, and and hopefully reaching a larger audience. So it's I guess the the main mission is more of an educational journalism outlet no i i that is one of the things that drew me to anti-war very early on and in fact it's one of the publications that that i remember reading really early on in my maybe my journey through libertarianism um 
you know, and, and a lot of the authors there. And I think that the the combination of, of the anti-war mindset and cryptocurrency is so powerful. I mean, like, it, it feels like all of the militarism and, and government in general, rather than, you know, if, if, the, if the metaphor is that, that government is a bunch of sprinklers out in the lawn and you want to dry lawn, and rather than running out and blow drying each blade of grass, you just go to the faucet and you turn it off, you know, and, and if you can just choke the, the, the money supply, um, which ultimately I believe was the intent of Bitcoin and, and certainly could be down the road on the horizon, it's going to be very, very difficult to start to, to keep expropriating current, you know, money from people if they opt to use this. Uh, that can just have really, really powerful implications that 20 years ago, probably people weren't really able to, to comprehend or some, some were, I'm sure, but certainly not. No, absolutely. That's what we that's what we saw uh, early on in Bitcoin and why we got excited about it and, and why a lot of other libertarians got excited about it. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time to say this is such a, a great fit for uh, for antiwar.com. And, and, you know, back then, you know, it, it wasn't a slam dunk. It wasn't obvious to any to all of us that Bitcoin was going right. to take over the, you know, the world and become the phenomenon that it is now. But uh, you know, anti-war has always been sort of an early adopter of new technologies. They were early to Twitter and, and some of the other social networks. And, and, you know, they were one of the first news publications to use hyperlinks, you know, back when the Internet was, was, wow. was, was yeah. uh, you know, not such a commonplace. And so uh, so it was it was kind of a risk to jump on board and probably sold way too much early on and, you know, could have done better holding. But whatever, uh, you know, right. money comes, money goes. and. Uh, we get a lot of great yeah, support yeah. from the community. I think a lot of us are saying that. I'm saying that from last week. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you say uh, when you say you were in the in the right place at the right time, go into that a little bit. Go go into what you know. How were you involved with with the anti-war guys, or and how were you involved in cryptocurrency, and how did those two things come together? When I when I heard about Bitcoin in 2011, it was just because I was listening to you know. Free Talk Live and some of the other libertarian uh, podcasts out there, and they were talking about it, and I didn't get it. You know, it, it didn't make any sense to me, uh, but it just became it became something that libertarians started talking quite a bit about. And, and I've always liked um, alternative currencies. I've always been a silver bug, so uh, so it was at least you know interesting, um, and it was it was clear that it was it was clear to me from the beginning that it was a challenge towards state-run banking. Uh, you know, the government influenced money, uh, so that, that that sort of rebellious streak comes out. Um, but again, like I said, it didn't make any sense to me to, from a technical point of view. But seeing some of these people talk about it and, and at different conferences, and as as various investors like Roger Veer and Eric Voorhees and these these guys that are now you know sort of industry leaders, the way they talked about it was such passion and so with, with such excitement, I couldn't help but not be you know to share in their excitement. And, and they would say these things like this really can challenge the Federal Reserve. And, and that, that, that excited me as sort of a Ron Paul supporter, somebody who wants to, to end the Fed, to audit the Fed and these sorts of things, ignore the Fed. And uh, so it, uh, really it was their excitement that, 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 that I think myself and my partner Davi really kind of picked up on. And, w- and with respect to antiwar.com, I just, you know, uh, Angela Keaton just happened to be a friend who I'd seen around in, in circles. She was the director of operations at the time. And she actually approached me because I was involved with alternative currencies and silver and, and, and asked me about Bitcoin in 2011. And I actually foolishly told her that I, I thought it wasn't worth getting into 
I told her it was uh, it was uh, it was hard to get money. It, like took two weeks to get money from Mount Gox. And did you ever call it nerd money? Uh, uh, can, uh, can we swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we called it shitcoin. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Back. I mean, I, I realize people call Bitcoin, Bitcoin a shitcoin. Oh yeah, we called yeah. we called it shitcoin way back in 2011. And uh, that's hardcore. You know, it just, yeah, it was just sort of. I mean, it's, it's like is libertarian nerd money, right? And um, what is you know, it's like, so? What yeah. would have not been the shitcoin if Bitcoin was the shitcoin? Silver, gold, and silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, silver. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting, it's, it's like a big hurdle for libertarians. Me, myself included early on is, is coming from, you get so ingrained in gold and silver and precious metals as, as true money. Um, and then you hear about Bitcoin or, or anything like this, any of these cryptocurrencies. And until you understand the utility of the ledger and the, the, just the, the fully thought out game theory of the incentive structure of the entire, um, ecosystem, you, it, it just doesn't click. You don't get it. You, you know, you're like, nah, it's not, it's not, it's not. And I mean, the, the, the debate's still open, but I've certainly been won over. I, I coming from a place of more of a gold bug and, and silver bug. Uh, I definitely approached it with doubt and, and skepticism, but when I fully understood, well, God knows I still don't fully understand it. Probably, probably never will, but, <laughs> uh, you know, at least in understanding in a flowchart format, schematically, the incentive structure it's it's really really fascinating and really really powerful. Uh, no, I I agree uh, with all that. I agree that I'll never fully understand it. So far over my head. Uh, but I I think that you know I've said to a lot of people and I, I I do my best to help people who are new and get set up with a wallet and gets you know off on the right foot. And I I'll I'll say to them that you can you can participate in this economy without fully understanding it. You can get a wallet. You can spend it. You can receive it. It's, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. any other app on your smartphone. You, it's in, it will become intuitive after a while. But the issue is if you don't want to take the time to, to try to understand it, to really dive into the, the neat aspects of the blockchain and the decentralized nature of the network, etc., you won't become a true believer like the rest of us, and you'll have a hard time really wanting to speculate long-term or hold long-term because, you know, it, it's it's those reasons, and it's when you deep you dive deeper in and you really start to research this stuff that it clicks and you get the implications of this of this technology and you really become a true believer i think you know you're, you're more willing to, to to not just treat it like a speculative asset but to use it as a currency to hold on to it to buy more of it to go deeper and and i think that you like i said you can just use it if you just want to use it but you're missing sort of the other half of it yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, right. But I, I wonder sometimes, and maybe I'll get your take on this, I wonder if that as Bitcoin and cryptocurrency becomes part of this, like the, part of the zeitgeist, like part of, you know, part of this era. And, and as much as we, I, I have such mixed feelings because as a, as what will down the road be considered very early adopters. I mean, I, I, I think anybody that gets in before 2020 is probably going to be looked at as an early adopter. Uh you know, I mean, I, that's Thank what God. I think. It, it as as hard as it is for me to kind of let go of that that uh, small community of heart and more hardcore, almost culty followers. But as this thing morphs into more of a pop mainstream thing, I wonder. You know, in 1990, did everybody understand what the bulletin board system was in the internet? But then, but then, as it entered pop culture, everybody kind of understands at least again schematically how the internet 
works. I don't, maybe saying everybody's a little bit of a stretch, but it's certainly between 1990 and 2005, a lot more people understood, oh, I can just get an Ethernet cable. It hooks up. It's, you know, it hooks me up to a bunch of different computers. We can communicate. Um, you know, as that as the cryptocurrency enters into uh, into more of the cultural mainstream, I wonder how you know how, how much easier it is it's going to be um, for people to wrap their minds around again at least just a flow chart yeah i'd agree with that overall i think that it's it's we're still early i think people who are getting in, just getting involved now are still could be considered early adopters they're not you know sort of og status but uh, i think there's a long way to go in terms of market capitalization uh, and and price i i you know, like we have millions of users of, of Bitcoin. Okay, that's great. We have billions of people on this planet, and if one of these cryptocurrencies is able to achieve that right. that that sort of mass adoption, like the internet, right? Like sixty percent of the world uses the internet or uses a computer. If we're able to achieve that type of, of adoption, yeah, we have so much further to go in market cap and price. Uh, again, not that that's the most important thing, but you can still be considered an early adopter now, and I think people. Um, I should get involved, even if it's just a speculation, even if it's just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put a little bit of money in this and, and hold on and hope. Um, I think that's a good bet. I don't take my word for it. This is not investment advice, but I think that's a good bet. And I think that uh, we are far from the place where, where many of us uh, early adopters or people who have been involved for the last so many years have pounded the pavement and really tried to get people to adopt it as a currency and to use it and to get merchants on board and all that sort of stuff. That hasn't even become... You know that that isn't even really, a, you know, there yet. No. We have these companies like BitPay and Coinbase that, that offer those services and help people do that, but we haven't even seen a drop in the bucket in terms of merchant adoption, um, especially in the brick and mortar realm. You know, most of it's all online, and the brick and mortars that take it are purely at this point, I think, just people who like the currency who also happen to own brick and mortar business. Uh, so I don't think we're anywhere near that sort of hyper. Uh, Bitcoin adoption phase yet? No, I I agree with you a hundred percent. And but you know things happen so damn fast in this space that that it's like you know where where is it going to be a year from now? And it's so tough to visualize. You know, if, if you look at a couple key things coming together, um, at one is just you know with each pump like that we had from you know November and December, it 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 pushes it a little bit more to the mainstream. And, and, and that gets people interested and more money coming in. And, and, and then if you look, you know, we haven't really seen Bitcoin exist. There's a little bit of an asterisk on this, but we, I, I, I believe that we haven't really seen Bitcoin exist in a, in, a, in a marketplace where it has a tailwind from a depreciating dollar, like a really depreciating dollar. And if that happens, I'm not saying that it necessarily, you know, I think everybody listening to this podcast knows that the dollar at some point will not exist anymore. But, you know, when, when will, when will we see a little bit more of a decline or a, a little bit more rapid decline? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. It, it's, it's, but when that, when the increased popularity of Bitcoin, a little bit of a tailwind from a depreciating dollar. And if you look at what the fed is going to be doing uh, in later this year, Q4, I think there's scheduled to be unwinding a little bit, uh, man, I, it's, you could, you could blink your eyes and, and we could be, in a, in a completely different world. You know, I mean, it, it, it seems to happen every six months in, in crypto. 
It's not going to happen all at once, but it will happen overnight, right? <laughs> yeah. Drew, I did mean to ask because uh, you were on that before, and you kept you, you said you were pounding the pavement, and you kept pounding the pavement to try and get people to adopt. And I, I'm I am curious because I, I you know where I'm from um, I don't know New Yorkers is, once a bit license came in all the, all all the Bitcoin people left all of them left all the crypto people left and 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 it left this void of of people who for whatever reason reject it and don't want to get involved in it and I think that phrase nerd money we laugh at it because we're in it but because we're nerds. I think that phrase that phrase nerd money really carries. And I'm I'm curious, maybe why do you think people are afraid to adopt the nerd money, and 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 what specifically would you do to pound the pavement for the individual to get on it? Sure. Well, people fear change, um, and it's it 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 is true that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency's number one use case at this point is day trading and speculating. It is not necessarily a currency. And economists will say that that yes, it's a means of exchange, yes, it's a unit of account, but it's not actually circulating as a currency because the amount of people using it for goods and services is far outweighed by the amount of people that are just speculating, day trading, and trying to 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 make money. Um, so, in that sense, if you approach somebody and you give it an honest assessment and you tell them that, then they're going to say to you. I'm either interested in speculating in this or I'm not. Uh, but if I go to a merchant and say, you should accept this wildly speculative asset in exchange for your goods and services, and again, if I'm honest with them and say, and less than 1% of your business has any interest in paying you in it, they're going to say, at what mm -hmm. cost to get the point of sale system integration do I have to pay to accept your nerd money? And you're telling me that right. not only is it not money, it's just some speculative asset, and only less than one percent of my customers are even interested in paying with it. There's no reason that. So we need the buyers more than the than the. No, I think than we need the, the sellers. I think. Yeah, I think we need the spenders. Oh yes, that's, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, that's better. The spenders than the takers. You're right. Yeah. But but again. So we need more people spending. Who, who wants to spend their money right? Their their crypto right now when you know they're holding tight, waiting for the next you know you know huge spike in price. I mean. Anybody who's in crypto, yes, in the early days it was all fun and exciting, and we used to buy whatever we would buy with it. Um, you know, but now why? Like, you want to hold, hodl, whatever. That's the main use case of cryptocurrencies at this moment. Um, and you know, and I can say that from the perspective of t accepting donations. I, I know that people are uh, stingy is not the right word. Um, I think people are very generous, but just. Somebody is going to say to themselves, you know what, I love anti-war, I'd be happy to give, but why don't I wait a year and I'll be four times as rich and I'll give then, you know, and, and then next year they think the same thing and they don't give, but that's okay. I, Do you, you know, think people... we're at a weird choke point between uh, people who have it and don't want to spend it because it's because they know it's going up Absolutely. and people who don't want to buy in because it's already so expensive? Absolutely, and I think a lot of the people who've been involved in the last five years who did go out and spend it to try to jumpstart the economy – Maybe uh, you know not uh, in, a, in, a, in a bad way, but feel a little burnt. Like, wow, if I hadn't yeah. bought that, you know, that that ounce of gold, I'd, I'd have ten ounces of gold worth of Bitcoin. You know, so there, there's right. certainly a little bit of seller's remorse there, and, and I think people have learned that lesson. And I think the new people coming in are more educated on the idea that it is ma mainly a speculative asset as opposed to a currency. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that's definitely a barrier. But on the other hand, it's like it almost has to happen all at once. Like I would be just speaking of me psychologically, I would be so much more apt to spend the cryptocurrency if I had a gig where cryptocurrency was coming in. You know, like if I had a side job or something like that where I wanted it under the table um, or above board, you know, down the road or something like that. Like if I know that I have income coming in in crypto, I'm much more apt to spend it because it's like, ah, I'll get more, you know, and, and, and maybe it doesn't completely solve it. But um, it's almost like it's almost like everybody's got to hold hands and step at once in, in a weird way. Uh, yeah, in, in my... I, I feel exactly that way. I feel exactly that way. We all need to hold hands and jump off the cliff together (laughs) and hope there's a pillow at the bottom of the fucking cliff. I do feel that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're steering this thing. We, you know, it's the fat cast. We all got to hold hands. Uh, we're gonna sing uh, Kumbaya. We're gonna <laughs> sing it really loud, and uh, and hopefully Trump listens. Yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> look, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a granola eating hippie. Although I have nothing, I have no judgment of people who live uh, those lifestyles. Granola is awesome. I, uh, yeah, granola is awesome. I, I, I want to break the stereotype. There's, there's absolutely a stereotype that anti-war supporters are sort of these, you know, beatniks from the '60s or whatever. And, uh, and right. that we don't support the troops and that we're anti-American. And, uh, and I, I don't think any of that's true. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of veterans are supportive of our message uh, because you can recognize very quickly that the human cost is not worth it and the, and the financial cost of war is not worth it at all. And, uh, and so one of the things that, that we focus on and, and that we've done with, with Bitcoin Not Bombs in the past, and, and we have a, another site, antiwar.me.me, uh, more of a community engagement site, and we've had a few contests in the past. We did a haiku contest. It was actually Marcella that, uh, yeah. that spearheaded a lot of that one, and uh, and a meme contest in the past. And we want to do that again uh, because uh, we 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 are currently under an administration that, just like the last administration, does find war to be an effective foreign policy tool, and 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 we disagree with that. And we'd like to give uh, supporters of ours or just fans of this message an opportunity to express themselves and participate and hopefully win some, some cool prizes in the process, a little incentive to get people to participate. And so at the moment, uh, we're calling it a pro-peace multimedia artwork contest. Maybe I need to shorten that down. But uh, it's a little okay. it's a little, little more open than the last contest. It's uh, anything you like, a meme, a song, a drawing, poetry, writing. Do you want to kind of keep that to 500 words or max i don't want to read any 5,000 word essays and have to judge them but uh, uh any <laughs> oh, shit i got a ray right yeah any anything uh anything creative we're, i had a, i had a manifesto for you yeah yeah that that one's gonna go in the circle file uh but, but uh, you will get appreciation for submitting it i just it's just a matter of, of being able to, to to you know to read stuff like you know to in in, in a timely uh, manner but uh anyway uh yeah original content um Hopefully people won't rip off other people's work. I know during the haiku contest, people submitted limericks not really knowing what a haiku was, and that's cool. Like, (laughs) I get it. You're an anarchist. Don't tell me what to do. You want to troll. Aren't you so smart? You know, I'll pat you on the back for trolling me, but... um, you know, that's that's about all you'll get. So uh, yeah, it's, you uh, sitting at your desk, just just going through limericks. Just, just this isn't a just fucking fuming, haiku. Just fuming. Ah. Apparently, many of them slipped by me, and I was not paying attention to what was going on. So I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh my god! But you know, like just I, thousands of pages of limericks. Yeah, I wanted um, I wanted like like we had like four hundred submit four hundred different haikus, and like a oh, hundred different sub 
people submitted. So it becomes a task to like judge this stuff. Um, but yeah. again, it's 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 not about it's you know if 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 you feel better about yourself trolling people, then you know more power to you. But uh, it, for us, it's an opportunity to allow people to express themselves because a lot of what anti-war does on a daily basis is report doom and gloom. If you read anti-war on a day-to-day basis, you may suffer from depression. Um, it is not. It, uh, yep. It's not a happy place. Um, there are seven or eight, depending yeah. on how you look at it, con- active hot conflicts going on. Most of them undeclared, but that doesn't even begin to 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 quantify the sort of black ops stuff that's going on, and and, and the bases uh, all over this world. I mean, imperialism. It is exactly that, an American empire the world over. And if you really dig into what the military does around the world, it's a very depressing scene. And, and anti-war reports on that day in and day out. So this is an opportunity for people to have add a little more positivity to it. Like we always say what we're against. We want to let people you know, say what they're for. I'm not anti-war, I'm pro-peace, right? I think that there are better ways to solve conflicts in the world and giving people a creative outlet you know, giving them a little incentive to be creative is just sort of a fun thing to do that can distract a little bit from sort of the, the, the nastiness of the day-to-day uh, news that's coming out of antiwar.com. So uh, it's a hashtag no more war. Uh, to enter, you do have to email your uh, original content to us at contest at antiwar.me. Uh, all of this will be up in a blog post on antiwar.com's blog, and hopefully you can slip a link into uh, into your podcast so people can find it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, and, I, and I could talk about maybe some of the, the prizes too that, that we're going to put up, but uh, uh, yeah. I don't have... I don't, yeah, I don't have all the details finalized. Um, I, I guess the last thing I should say is that we are starting on uh, March 20th, which is, in fact, the 15th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. Um, okay. So where were you 15 years ago? Do you guys remember? Um, 2003, I was probably in fourth grade. No, I Whoa. don't. Got to tell you, I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, birds, birds. We've got a we've got a big difference in age between the the hosts. But yeah, that's you're in eighth grade, dude. I'm so bad or, at math. Fourth grade somewhere bird? in between fourth and eighth. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. You don't sound that young. I, I am shocked. You're I remember you're, you're that young. I don't. <laughs> no, well, uh, I remember 9/11 vividly. I was in kindergarten. So however many years that is afterwards, that's the grade I was in. So, but, you're, but you were, you live in New York, so I mean that yeah. would be really vivid. Yeah, oh, it was. No, it was. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, and I do remember that, and I remember Bush's speech, and I remember that kicked everything off. Yep. Um, yeah, man, I, I remember that. I remember everyone in the city fucking glued together and was moved by that speech. Yeah. I totally, I remember that all vividly, even though I was a fucking kindergartner. Yeah. I think I, I was in, I must have been, I guess I was, I mean, I was young too. I was 15. Uh, uh, but I remember, I remember the coverage, and, uh, you know, I think, I, 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 for whatever reason, maybe I'm falsely remembering this, but I feel like they were covering like missiles being fired at Baghdad. Drew, maybe you remember better, but, oh, yeah. Um, and that was what kind of kicked it off. And then I remember a couple days later, I think I had my learner's permit. My dad was like, all right, let's go fill up all the cars with gas because the gas price is going to go up. And I was like, <laughs> like so Damn. silly in retrospect. You know, 10 years later, the, ga- the gas is still so high. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know we were going to milk that one last tank of gas. But. Oh, just, just for perspective, the, the, the invasion of Afghanistan uh, happened two years prior. That was just right after 9-11. That was sort of the first military target. Yep. And that is now of- officially the longest war in U.S. history. Yep. So the Iraq war is now the second yeah. Wow! Or in U.S. history, and 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 the perspective. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned you were in kindergarten at the time of, of of 9/11. Your generation, and say those born just a few years after you, have never known a world without war. 
that's some 1984 yeah, shit right is, there, right? Yeah. Like we've yeah, always been crazy. at war with East Asia. Yeah, like, that is. that, and to me, like I remember, yeah. I was 12 years old when 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 the wall fell, or I guess I was I was nine, uh, but when the Soviet Union sort of broke apart in '92, I was 12 years old. Uh, I remember this sort of idea of like, hey, this war, this Cold War that we've been at for so long is over. Like, there's peace in the air, and and we can all just go enjoy baseball mm-hmm. games and like I remember that attitude of, of my parents and my grandparents' generation, uh, and then it was 1992 that Bush Senior invaded Iraq the first time. You know, so like I'm not even saying that, yeah. that my generation, uh, sort of pre-millennials, have never really known a war without war, but we've at least had a hint of that, right? Like we've at least we, we've at least known that wars begin and wars. Yeah, end. as far as my generation goes, I, there was never. I mean, the amount of wars that we're in now or conflicts that we're in now. Nobody who's my age knows that we're in Yemen, cares that we're in Yemen. Barely anyone knows anything about Syria. I mean, there's just it, – you're absolutely right that we've experienced war for so long that it has just become a thing that the United States right. does. No, you're right. And it's, it's scary that, that we have – we sort of we, – we block it out of our mind. We don't know that even this stuff is happening. And again, that's sort of why it's important that anti-war does what it does. Um, and right. I was even going to say, like the Yemen thing, it might be a little late, uh, depending on when this podcast comes out. But they, they have a vote, uh, not the Senate bill. The right? Senate bill, correct. Uh, but I do believe that you know, you if you want to take your anarchist stance and like don't interface with government, that's 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 fine. But you have an opportunity to save lives at at a, at a bare minimum and harass your senators. And actually, uh, last Friday was a, um, a fairly large call to action of these various uh, peace groups. To call and my what I was got, I received back today was that in fact it was having an impact that they were getting flooded with calls and that it, you know yep. and that and, and and a lot of legislators you know especially you know people like Ron Paul and his staff have said you know this stuff does work they do they do take notice and actually that vote was pushed back till Thursday so all this week uh, yes. we'll be encouraging more of that and encouraging people to call and you can go to antiwar.com's Facebook page or Twitter page or blog and find that information in the, in the 1-800. Right, well, this goes out on Wednesday, so they, I be, there should be that one day before they take the vote. Yeah, and I, and I, and I just want to emphasize that point to the, the, the non-voting anarchists in the community that this is not, you know, this is not sanctioned, this is not voting. So no, you're just calling and violence. suggesting. This is actually an opportunity you have to, to reduce the amount of violence and death in the right. world by taking a very small action, by making a five-minute yep. vote. <laughs> yeah, I, I I called both of my senators after I w- listened to uh, I believe it was Scott Horton's podcast. Um, I called both of my senators as soon as I listened to that podcast. Just it really it takes five minutes. It takes five minutes to do what could save thousands of people's lives. So the Yemen you can't thing spare is that time. Nasty. Uh, it, it is. It's hard to think about. It's hard to see. Yeah, you right. can't unsee these images. But you know, this is done in our name with our money. Um, you know, you can. You can you can talk about how you know not my president all day long, but uh, it's it's your money you gave him, and that's what he spends it on. And I and I don't put the sole blame on, on Trump or anything. Obama was certainly a warmongering mass murderer, but um, you know, I think there I think I think anarchists need to reengage. I think libertarians need to reengage because they they have, they they fail to see how much power we truly have when we come together on these issues. And I don't necessarily mean the LP. I just mean people who believe in philosophy. Yeah, right. I never. There's nowhere in anarchy that says you can't make a phone right. call. Yeah, it's a nonviolent act. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> anyway, exactly. what fun, right? Um, you know, I uh, I, I, I can see friends. why this would render someone suicidal <laughs> after reading. <laughs> well, no, there's plenty. There's plenty of exciting things to to, to live for. We're going to space, okay? Absolutely. Like, Elon Woo! Musk is taking us to Mars, yeah, so go. like we have reasons to be excited. My Monero is going yeah. up. <laughs> good, there go. good. There you go. We have, we have, yeah. But but you know, like the people in Yemen should have the opportunity to go to space too. Absolutely, yep. right? For sure. Exactly. So Woo! For the last few years, uh, you know, moving into November later this year, uh, November 11th is commonly known as Veterans Day. But its original meaning was uh, of Armistice Day, the end of World War One, 1918, and uh, it, it represented uh, the you know the, the the end of the war to end all wars. That's what World War One was known as, and then we had World War Two. We were talking about how war just seems to have right. perpetuated uh, since. And uh, just the other day, yesterday, uh, it did get announced that uh, Trump is going to get his military parade, and it is going to be on Veterans Day, as he calls it, Veterans Day, November 11th, and that's. That's an opportunity for us at Anti-War to really double down on this idea that we've been promoting the last few years, and other veterans organizations promote this idea too, that it's about Armistice Day, that really we've lost that history of what it meant to end the war, to end all wars. At the end of World War One, the people who came back recognized that that was not worth it, that those lives lost, it was offered, you know, it was offered for somebody else's resources and for somebody else's pet issues. And that the, the American GIs did not deserve the way that they were treated, and did not deserve to be to die in such a dishonorable way. And that and that, that celebration was lost. And I fear that Trump is going to just, you know, bring it all to the militaristic propaganda of Veterans Day. And it, it's not necessarily an opportunity for us to challenge him and and go head to head with Trump in his parade. But perhaps it's an opportunity for us to influence what he is going to, what message the. the, the government and sort of the, 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 the military and the veterans that are involved in this, what message they're going to send to the people? What message do we want the American people to receive this coming November 11th? And so I don't have an answer for that. I really have a, a request to your listeners and the people listening to this to help me and to help anti-war staff figure out how we're going to have as big an impact as we are. We have this contest coming up. Um, you know, that's going to be a great way to get people participating. Disclaimer, you are going to get stuck on our email list. Uh, you can opt out, of course. But, you know, uh, Absolutely. You know, but, this cool will be, but, but we're, we're, we're building the base again, and we're trying to bring more people in, and we're going to try to communicate these ideas throughout the year. This isn't just a, you know, the contest is only 25 days, excuse me, starting on the 20th, ending on the 11th of April. And, and, and then from there, you know, we have the summer to sort of plan these things. Anti-war will be at some various events, VCon in Atlanta and, and, uh, and uh, in, in Michigan at the Peace, uh, Love, Liberty Fest, whatever it's called, and a couple others. And so, you know, Anti-War is trying to put its name out there. We're trying to get young people, students involved. We're trying to get uh, more people to participate in some of these fun things like the contest and so on. And, of course, donations are important to take crypto and all that. But really culminating at the yep. end of the year around the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day. That's a big flag we're planting mm. you know, out there in November. Again, the goal of antiwar.com is not to end all war the world over. Uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a generational battle. But how do we make huge, you know, how do we make progress? And in a game of inches, you, know, you, just, you just take it one step at a time. You have any other plugs, Drew? Yeah, uh, contact at antiwar.me. Uh, send, send us an email. Cool. 
contact or contest. One of the, either. And then uh, the information regarding the contest will be coming up soon, right? Yep, on the antiwar.com blog and uh, and on antiwar.me, and, and uh, you can follow Antiwar on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and we have an Instagram, or you can follow me on Bitcoin Not Bombs at Twitter. And uh, I don't use Facebook as much, but uh, but uh, you know we're there on on the tweeters, and uh, you know show us some love or let us know, tag us in your artwork, your original songs, your original stuff. Use the hashtag No More War, uh, and you know you do have to email it in to officially enter to win some of the fabulous prizes. We're gonna have some Bitcoin cash from Bitcoin.com. We're gonna have some gold and silver from Roberts and Roberts. Some T-shirts, uh, buttons, fresh daily. A uh, bunch of other prizes if you if you're hell yeah. Uh, Anarchy Ball is gonna probably put in nice. some swag, so uh, so we'll have some fun prizes and and uh, yeah. So if anyone wants to get involved that way, just contact us and uh, and, and get you in there and, and plug your uh, your t-shirt company or whatever you got. And uh, you know it's uh, you know uh, express yourself, win some swag. Nice. Giddy up, baby. All right, Drew. Thank you Sounds so much for doing this for us. We're gonna keep plugging that contest. We're gonna uh, keep pounding the pavement for you. Um, thanks a lot, man. Hey, thank you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Have a good one. All right. Bye, Drew. All right, guys. And that's the show. Again, thank you, everyone, for all your support. Thank you to Drew Phillips for taking the time to do that interview with us. Bitcoin Not Bombs. You can find him on Twitter. You can find it on the website. Or you can look for his writing on antiwar.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday. Two hands on the wheel, guys. Peace.